cold morning, wasn't it? When you're trying to get up out of bed and it's pouring on you and all this stuff. I, when I got here, all the guys were here uh, setting everything up and, you know, just, you know, appreciate all you guys that, that served this morning. I know it's tough, especially on the rainy days like today, because, you know, you're just like, ah, oh, you hear the rain outside trying to get ready and, you know, man, I'm going to really pay a price to do this thing. And so we, we all appreciate you for serving our church in that way, setting up all this stuff that you see is really... Uh, it's trucked in each week and set up, and so really thank the guys and the gals that come and and and, and help that happen. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we as we begin this message. Father, we just ask that you to speak to us, Father, very clearly, Lord. We pray uh, that you would remove all distractions from our heads and our hearts. Lord, help us to be able to focus, Lord, on on the topic of fears as it relates to the economy, and just um, our own resources, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to uh, have clearer understanding from your word as we look at a passage um, that Jesus spoke about. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to have insight from your Holy Spirit, who, who is here, he's present, and he's, um, we ask that you'd, you'd speak to us, uh, and that our, our thoughts, Lord, would be, uh, you know, you just really connect our thoughts to what your truth has to say to us. Help us to know what to do with your truth today. Give us the courage to apply these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, like I said, we're, we're looking at the fear of economy. And we've, this is like a series where we've been looking at different kinds of fears that come up. And this one is a topic that is really concerning, I think, to all of us as humans, as Americans. Um, but I, I hope that as you've decided to set, set aside your morning to focus on this, I hope, and I'm excited because God really has a lot to say about this issue of not to fear when it comes to finances and the economy and the ups and downs. Um, if you were to take the paper this morning, you just see there's all sorts of reasons to be afraid or to, to give in to fear as it relates to just what's going to happen in our world tomorrow and next week and next month and all these predictions about what's going to happen to the housing market, what's going to happen to the job market. And, you know, what's going to happen to just our country overall as we are trying to manage debt and taxes and might go up and this and all, you know, all of that, all those messages really make it difficult for us to be stable in this area of economy. Um, And there's really not a week that goes by that we don't hear about people being impacted by the current economy, the state of the economy. As, As a pastor... Um, you know, it's something we experience as a church. I, I understand that. We, a lot of prayer requests related to this topic. And so, um, this is not something that, uh, that I'm, uh, not familiar with myself as well. I think ever since I started working as a young person, um, my first job was, uh, was a paper boy. And then after that, I scooped thrifty ice cream. That was a real great job. And, uh, but I recognized that as I was working, it was really hard to be satisfied with the money that I had. It was very, very hard to be satisfied with the paycheck that I got. And uh, so I added more work on in order to make more money. And again, it was just really satisfied. There, you know, wasn't, it wasn't enough often for me. And so I would go and tack on more work and more work. And I'd try to juggle school and work. And uh, later on in life, you know, I thought, well... Someday when I make more money, you know, I get married and make more money, have a real career, then, then this whole fear of the economy or my finances is going to subside. And that just hasn't been the case. 
you know, I get married and 12 years ago, almost, I, I got married almost 12 years ago. And uh, from the start, my wife and I, we were both working and we called ourselves uh, in the beginning. We were both working after about a year, at least my wife was full time. I was full time working salaries and those combined incomes. We called ourselves dinks. You may not have heard that term, but the dink status, double income, no kids. And so we were dinks, and we had two incomes. We were able to use our resources to pay things down. It seemed like we were making some good progress towards our debts. And, you know, and for this season of our life, it just felt like we were just living high. I mean, and even though we had a lot of debt we needed to pay off, so we really didn't get to just go and blow through all this money. It just it seemed like we had a lot of resources available to us. But I've noticed at different points, even in those points when we had a lot of resources available to us, it was really still this thought of uh, the, the fear of, do I have enough or do I need to go get another job? Or you know, it, it just continually would gnaw on, on my mind. Um, then there came a point when seven years ago our, our first son arrived and my, my wife stopped working. And so we take, take, you know, now we go from dinks to sinks. You know, single income, no, you know, and now we have one kid. I don't know how that changes the, the word, but, but so, you know, the resources are changing and then God calls us to ministry full time and out of the position I was working in sales. And again, there's a shift in, in what I'm making and just, just learning to get settled on that whole, on, on, on the resources that we had was a, has been a really, really challenging thing. And so if you're at a point where you feel that same tension, I really can identify with you on this. Um, this has been something that I think has been a core trust issue for me through my life, just learning how to trust God with the resources. And it's a, it's a, it's a struggle that I feel like I have to deal with regularly. I don't just, I'm not just able to let this go. I really have to trust the Lord with our finances. And, um, and what God is trying to do is He's trying to get us to, to, to believe that He's going to come through, to trust Him in spite of Maybe what we see right now, maybe what looks like is coming down the road. And so uh, what I've learned to do is not share too much about my plans for my financial future. Because in the past, I've had to eat my words when I share too much about my plans. Because there's just a lot of things that I really don't know. I, I, I cannot, I don't have a pulse on everything that's going to happen financially for us. But this, this is not a modern fear. I know I, like, I'm expressing this. Many of you, I'm sure, feel the same tension. Jesus spoke directly to this issue in, in Matthew chapter 6. There's a bunch of people that follow Jesus up a hillside, and he gives this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the Sermon on the Mount, we get his perspective on finances and worry. And I want to look at that passage in Matthew chapter 6, first starting with verse 25. But he lays out these reasons for why, why we shouldn't fear the economy. And it's, this is something we just can't ignore. If you, if you want, you can follow along. There's a listening guide. But there, there are some reasons that he lays out for why we shouldn't fear. The first one, it's really tied to the fact that if we ignore our fears, it eats away at us like termites in our house. There's something, there's a problem going on, and if we delay looking at this issue, um, there'll be serious damage. So we can't just believe that this isn't impacting us. But there are some reasons he gives for not to fear. The first is life is just too important. It's just too important for us to just make our lives about the consumption of more. Make our lives about more stuff, getting more stuff, acquiring more things. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. 
Jesus says, therefore, he's building on a previous thought, talking about how God is your master. And so he's saying, since God is your master, which is the, where he leaves off in the previous verses, then he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. That word worry, the wording there has to do with being strangled or choked. The word worry, actually, it means strangle or choke. And that's exactly what happens when we start worrying about something. It kind of has, worry has this ability to have this mental or emotional strangulation over our thoughts to where everything in our life becomes about this concern. So he's he's saying that concern for, for finances, he's saying, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, about all the aspects of your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, these are things we worry about. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? He's saying life is just too important to get worked up over just the basic necessities in life. Uh, Someone said this, quote, Worry is a thin stream of fear that trickles through the mind, which if encouraged will cut a channel so wide that all other thoughts will be drained out. I'd say that's pretty accurate for the way that worry impacts our, our minds, our thinking. Fear and worry can really make our lives miserable, especially when related to the economy, because it's so out of our control. But Jesus, he's trying to give us a, a, the tools so that we won't just operate in a survival mode mentality. Um, we really need to ask ourselves questions about the importance of, of, what, of our lives. And how is that tied to money? Do I really need do I really need these things that I'm going after, that I'm getting worked up over? Will, will these things make a difference in my life a year from now, if I have them, if I don't have them? Those are good questions for us to ask. Um, there, was a, there was a man, his name is John Wesley. He was a great preacher and a theologian. And he had a unique perspective on his possessions. One day, the story goes that one day he was away from his house and someone came running up to him and said, John, your house is just burned down. Your house is just burned down. And he said, you know, no, it hasn't because I don't, I don't own a house. The one I have, the one that I've been living in, belongs to the Lord. So now I just have one less thing to take care of, one less responsibility. And uh, he went on with his life. The story goes, he had a certain perspective on what was really important in life. He had what, what I would call a renter's mentality. He saw that his life was on loan and his resources that he had were also on loan. And... There was a certain responsibility he had to take care of the things that, that was entrusted to him, but they were gods. He understood that these were gods, and they were on loan to him. And I'm not there at that perspective yet, where John Wesley you know, was when he made that statement. I know if I'm, my house burnt down, I'd probably say more to the situation than that. Um, probably be more like, oh no, my stuff, my, my, you know, all these things I've been storing, all these things I've been saving, what about this, what about that? And because our hearts get so wrapped around the stuff that we own. But that's the first reason Jesus gives. Life is just too important to be afraid of the economy. Second thing is this, we're most valuable to God. In all His creation, we are the most valuable thing to God. Matthew, 20, Matthew 6, 26 says, Look at the birds. So he's like pointing to some birds on a hillside. Birds, you know, he's saying, look at the birds of the air. He gives us in this example. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you not much more valuable than they? We're most valuable to God. If God carefully takes care of the birds of the air, 
why would He not take care of us who have been created in His own image? Why would He ignore us? Why would He leave us to ourselves? Well, we get very worked up over, you know, will my basic needs be met? Am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to have enough to drink? Am I going to have, you know, the clothes on my... You know, am I going to have the resources to be clothed? I read that it would only take 10% of the agricultural land in the world to produce enough food to feed everybody on the planet. Like, God has created the means to feed everybody on planet Earth. It's not for lack of, of resources. And there, there are issues, and, you know, as, as the world leaders get together to try to figure out how to address the issues. But God has provided the resources. But there's a whole lot of hoarding, I think we all would admit, that goes on so that the needs of the world are not met. Verse 28, look how he continues. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies, and he points to the lilies of the, of the field that are growing between the blades of grass. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. He's just saying these things are beautiful. God did this. God clothed the grass, so it's just not all these grassy hillsides. He, he sprouted up all these flowers to create this beautiful scene among the grass. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And He's saying this to people who maybe had like one or two garments of clothes that they actually owned. Most of us, we probably have, you know, how many shirts do you have? I mean, really. Ladies, how many shirts do you have? You know, we don't even, people are shaking their heads. Don't, don't ask me, don't ask me that question. You know, 30, for Mondays, 30, for two, you know, we, we got clothes, we got clothes, we have resources, we have all this stuff. And Jesus was saying to these people, don't worry about your clothes. And these people had concern to worry about their clothes, don't they? If you understood the way that, you know, they, they may have, we had one garment that they own, maybe two, you know. So Jesus is making a very interesting point here. What would he say to us if he looked at our closets? He wouldn't say, don't worry about clothes, because he knows that shouldn't be a concern of ours, right? But he's making a very interesting point. If God bothers to array the grass of the field, for the, you know, gives these short-lived flowers, how much more is he concerned to clothe us and to care for his very own children who are destined to live with God forever, for all eternity? God cares about us. We're so valuable to him. Verse 31, he continues, So don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? For the pagans run after all these things. He's saying, those who have no hope in God, naturally, they put their hope and their expectation in things that they can enjoy right now. That's, that's the, the idea of when he says the pagans run after these things. He's saying, for those that take God out of the picture, they are very focused on enjoying everything and squeezing all they can out of life right here and right now. Because... They have nothing to live for in the present, he's saying. So if you take God out of the picture, of course you have reason to worry. But he's saying, you, God, God is concerned about you. God is concerned about us. He wants to meet our needs. Verse continues, and your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. God reminds us often just how valuable we are to Him. If you were to just think about the stories in your own life and the miraculous times, I'm sure we all could just stand up and, and share stories of times when God provided for your basic necessities. You didn't know where the money was going to come from to eat. You didn't know where the money was going to come from to, to get gas, to, to, to get groceries, to get your bills paid. To, and then God provides. You know. And I'm sure we could all share those times when you're like, 
Yeah, I saw God come through. He provided for us right when we need it. At the very last moment when we need it. Or it was even beyond. Like I thought this whole idea was dead and done, and but God delivered us. Jesus, it's interesting if you think about what happened in Jesus' life and how you know, He died and then He was delivered. I think God often time He stretches our faith in that same way. He puts to death things in our life that we really think we need and then He brings it back from the dead. He delivers and He raises things back to new life. He provides in ways that we just feel like it's already beyond impossible. This thing is dead. Just like Jesus was dead and in the ground and then He raised Him to new life. There's a picture there of God actually, He prefers to take us to those points where we feel like, man, all hope is lost. He wants to see us trust Him. The next reason, though, He gives us to not fear the economy is just worries is unproductive. Who of you, verse 27 says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life. In other words, you can worry yourself to death, but not to life. You know, we, we say that. We, ah, I'm worrying myself to death. You can do that, but you cannot worry yourself to life. You can't add life to your, you can't add years to your life through worry. As doctors look at people who, who die early, and it might be connected to anxiety, that's true. We can take years off of our life through allowing anxiety and worry to just choke out the life, but you can't add to it. It just wastes energy. Oftentimes it wastes energy that we can be putting into solving our financial issues, our financial challenges, our financial problems. So let worry be an alarm that you need to take this to God in prayer. You might write down Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7, and maybe commit this verse to memory. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, actually, it's a trigger Do not be anxious, it says, about anything. Don't get worried about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So allow the worry to be a trigger. Allow that to to sound the alarm that you need to run to God. You need to pour out your heart to Him and say, God, I don't know what to do here, but I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. I'm going to look to you for answers. I'm going to look to you as my hope. The last thing, though, is this. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Jesus reminds us, just let it, let it be out there in, in, in the future. It's alright. I've got the future covered. Matthew 6.34 Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for each day has enough trouble of its own. Life is just unpredictable. And we cannot know how things will turn out next month, next pay period. You know, we don't know if our job's going to be there. Most of the time, God guides us by showing us the very next step that we're to take. He gives us more of a flashlight than high beam headlights. I want high beam headlights. You know, I like to click on high beams when I'm cruising down any, you know, mountain road. And I like to just be able to see way down in the future. And that's how I think it'd be nice if God just revealed all of that to us. What's coming way down the road. So we throw on the high beams. And then we're, we're comfortable because we can see safely. We can relax, turn the music back on, you know, just cruise through life. But if we have to trust God with a flashlight, and you just can't see out there in the dark, and you're just worried. But He gives us a flashlight. He wants us to trust Him to take that next step. And we try to beam the flashlight out there, and we realize, eh, I'm not getting any. I, this just helps to look, make sure I don't trip on the rock in front of me, or the problem right in front of me. So God is trying to get us to not get wrapped up in tomorrow, but just to trust Him. And, and an example of this is if you're trying to pay off debt. One, one thing I thought of, if you're trying to pay off debt, 
this would be a point of contention for me and my wife. My wife would always get, get you know, we would see differently on the issue. If we had money in the, in the savings account, I would want to hold on to the money, even if we had these big bills with all these balances. So I'd pay the minimum amounts on all the balances because I didn't want to let go of this big chunk in the bank just in case something comes up tomorrow that I don't know about. And so for, for a while, we were make, making very little progress on paying off our debt because I was hoarding all this stuff. We owed all this money out there. But I was like, i got, I got to hold on to this stuff. I can't. She's like, well, why don't you just write the checks to the people we owe money to so we can start paying these things off? I'm like, but we may not have enough for the things that are out down there. What if, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, we didn't make progress until I actually started writing the checks and paying off debt and just not saying I'm going to pay the basic. I'm going to actually try to make some progress and pay off the balances that are manageable to tackle. But that had to do with this principle of, of believing that, you know, I had control over tomorrow and if I just hoarded now. But doing what I can right now helps me deal with my fears. And my anxieties. <clears throat> Tomorrow will just be a lot better if I'm faithful to handle what's on my plate in the area of finances. God has given us the resources to deal with the things that we owe, the things that we need. He's, he provides the resources for those things. <clears throat> but, you know, He hasn't given us the high beams so that we can make sure everything's covered off in the distance. But it forces us to trust Him right here. Right now, I want you to hear from a couple from our church who's going to come up and share for a few minutes. Um, this is Brittany and Taylor, and Taylor's uh-oh. Taylor's on staff at our church, and they have been a part of OCC nearly since the beginning. And I'll let you guys come over on this side. Took the mic out on accident, and uh, got some questions for them. Uh, this is Brittany and Taylor, and they're both. Uh, Employed individuals and uh, newly married, I would say, still a couple couple years, and uh, they live here in Riverside. But guys, how, recently, how have fears crept in related to finances? Well, I, I know for me, um, I have a tendency to run through every scenario in my head and every like, worst case scenario. Um, what if I lose my job? Or um, you know, when are our student loans going to kick in? We have accumulated a lot of debt over our time in student loans. Um, and, you know, how much is, that, how much is our monthly payment going to be? When are they going to kick in? Because if you know about student loans, there's like 17 different payments out there. You're not too sure when you actually have to pay them and when you don't. And mm-hmm. um, Are we going to be able to pay the minimum payment? Or, um, you know, how much am I going to make five years from now? Well, Brittany have to work and we have kids. Um, when are we going to have kids? Is Brittany pregnant? Like all these different things go through in my head. You know, like, are we going to be able to support a family? Am I going to be able to support a family? Um, have so you guys I, ever related to any of these questions? <laughs> so I know for me, I just always um, would question, I guess, fear of the unknown for me. I'd, I'd always want to be able to look further down the road and be able to answer this question. So. Yeah, and I think it would be the same thing for me, fear of... Um, like what the future held. And so thinking through scenarios of like, okay, well, if I can um, pick up this extra job or work these extra hours or do that, like trying to um, play out, trying to get a high beam, I guess, of the future of, um, of really concerned about what it will look like down the road of, okay, we can do it now, but what about then? And another question, what has been your guys' reaction to these fears just related to the economy? 
Um, a couple of things. One is definitely where you, when Josh said the thing about a stream through your mind and it opens up a bit, like a flood channel. Totally me. Um, I have a, has a tendency at times to consume my thoughts and um, really just run through those different scenarios and come up with a plan, you know. If I lose my job, this is where I would go. If Brittany gets pregnant today, this is my plan so she doesn't have to work or this is what she could do to support us, you know, not support support us, but help with some income to support a family. Um, and another thing, um, every now and then I try to um, think of kind of a get-rich-quick get scheme of, okay, well, maybe this all can, you know, get a couple more thousand dollars here and store it away. And um, I definitely try to come up with some shortcuts to get a few extra dollars. Enough gear for that? Okay. And, uh, I mean, just, we know that worry is something we tend to run to, so how productive was that? How, how did that, how did it help? Did it add life? Did it? I know for us, it was really counterproductive in the sense that it would add tension of, well, you know, another pay cut. All right, well, let's figure out this budget thing, and, but it would add a sense of where can we cut? We can't cut from there, are you kidding me? You know, and, um, or what if we get a pay cut? You know, having that conversation, and just really have a lot of unnecessary tension, just because we would always want to have, you know, three years down the road planned out. I think, like, at one point, and I, I think it was August, it was, like, um, all-consuming. Like, just, I felt paralyzed by it. always, always on the verge of tears. <laughs> that, like, if I found something, I was like, oh, gosh, you're, you know, and just, um, just consumed my thoughts in my life for a good couple weeks there in August. <laughs> and the last question is, how has God helped you deal with the changing pressures of your finances? I think a real turning point for me was um, in August. Um, Taylor happened to be out of town one night, and I was at my group leader's house and um, stayed late talking about my finances and feeling very stressed. And um, two things they said really helped me. One was um, talking about in the Old Testament when God was providing for the Israelites, and he provided what they needed on a daily basis. And one of the things that was pointed out to me was, you're worried about three or four months from now, and God has really provided for you today, and he has really provided what you need right now, and you need to, um, to really trust him with that, with where, where you're at right now, um, instead of borrowing a lot of worry from tomorrow and from the unknowns. The other thing that I was really challenged on as a, as a wife was um, this really wasn't something Taylor had asked me to carry. Um, it was something that I had picked up and that I was really overwhelmed by and... Um, and very stressed by and exhausted by. And it really was something that Taylor hadn't asked me to, to handle. It, I mean, I support him, and that's my role. But it, he had really, um, every time it was like something disappointing happened, I would call Taylor, like, crying, like, this happened. And, and he would just, okay, well. And he would think through whatever the next step was. And it was like, yeah, you know what? He hasn't really asked me to, um, <laughs> to fall apart about this. <laughs> Um, a couple things that come to mind for me. One, um, because student loans don't all kick in at the exact same time, God has really eased us into the, to where we are now, and they're all full on, 100%. We're totally paying, but we didn't not pay one day and then have this gigantic payment the next. Um, slowly, those have accumulated, and He's allowed us to adjust our budget over time. I know if a year from a year ago you would have said you'd be living on this, I would have laughed. Like, there's no chance in the world we can survive on that. And really, to be honest, feel not exactly comfortable, but know that we can make ends meet, and um, God's really blessed us in that way. And then he's also um, really put people in our life to provide perspective, people that we've been able to watch 
um, live on much lower than what we live on and support families on lower than what we support ourselves on. Um, and then also some really, really generous people in our life. And just like Josh had said right before he came up here, just random gifts out of nowhere or, hey, um, you know, my dad offered to pay for half of our, the car that we just bought and that kind of a thing. And so um, as we've been um, trying to be obedient in this and be good stewards of um, what God's blessed us with, I really feel like he has blessed us in return. So That's great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> the temptation, I think, a lot of times is to fix, is to fix um, the situation. Because <clears throat> there's all sorts of solutions that the world will offer for how to deal with this pressure of the economy. Just live in denial, spend more, rack more debt up. I mean, just there's all sorts of things that we can do to not deal properly but we, we need to deal with the roots of this fear. If you flip over, there's a few things that Jesus, if we back up the previous verses, Jesus lays out some perspective on how to deal with the roots of fear. The first thing is treasure the right things. Treasure or, or wrap your heart around the right things. First, set your heart on eternal things. Set your heart on eternal things. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Literally, this phrase says, do not treasure up treasures for yourselves. The word there, the Greek word, is a repetitive statement there. And he's, he's saying, don't store up or don't treasure, do not treasure up treasures for yourselves. And the Greek, it, this, the, the idea here is this idea of stacking our wealth on tables, laying it out horizontally in stacks so that we can see what we have. And the picture is stockpiling. It's stockpiling our resources, seeing what we have, but they're not being used necessarily. And it's, the idea is it's storing up for safekeeping. It's safeguarding our wealth. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but that's what I'm talk, that was what I was doing was I didn't want to write the bills. I didn't want to believe that, that I owed this money, so I'd rather stack it up in my checking account or my savings account. And even though I owed it to someone, I'd prefer to just stack it and not use it. God wants us to figure out how do we use our resources? How do we, how do we leverage the resources we have? But people in Jesus' day, if they were well off, they would invest their money, they would store up their money in clothes, in garments. And so Jesus says, you know, don't store up for yourself treasures on this earth where, moth, where, moth, where moths destroy, rust destroys, thieves, thieves break in and steal. Moths would come in and they'd eat the wool of people's garments that they were storing up. And so Jesus is using this practical example. Be careful because what you're storing up for safekeeping, the moths can get at. This is an earthly thing that will potentially unravel. Uh, growing up, can I, I've got some things I want to show you what I stored up a lot of as a kid. And uh, I had great plans for my future. <clears throat> for my future in uh, just savings and everything. You know, I just had great plans for, for what, I, what I really believed I could count on for my future resources. And so I bought a lot of baseball cards as a kid. And this is just one example of my... This is one of my 5,000 boxes. I've got some of these, and I've got a bunch of 1,000 boxes, and um, I have this box full of all this stuff, and it's hard to lug around from move to move. I never go through these things. And, uh, but I really did have this thought that, you know, someday 
I would just be able to cash this stuff in. And so when I first got married and I'd be hauling this stuff around, Erica's like, why are you keeping all this stuff? You know, I don't know what she'd say. She didn't cuss or anything. She, but why are you keeping all these cards? And, you know, I was stacking up my wealth, you know. And I just had a plan and, and you know, and I, I really felt like this stuff is going to be worth some bucks someday. And, uh, man, you can look through this case. There's probably not any, I bet I could not get, you know, $10 for this box of 5,000 common cards. These are called common cards. And, uh, but you know, I just kept stacking up all these cards and hoping someday it's going to, it's going to be worth something. And, and, you know, I, I would, I would take these out with my friends and, I really did believe that this was going to pay off some way. I didn't even want to think about how much money I spent on baseball cards through the years. I know it's been quite a bit. But, you know, occasionally I would find some good cards. And this was my superstars box. Superstars. And uh, this is where my money cards are. These, are. these are the ones that if those things failed me, you know, get burned up in a fire or something, these things were a little more precious to me. And so I have some cards in here that, you know, this is my, my favorite, my most, this is my Willie Mays, 1960 Willie Mays that my sister bought for me. And at the time, she paid $150 for it. And I figured, man, by the time I'm like 18, it's going to be like $300. And by the time I'm 30, it's going to be like five, $600. Well, last time I checked, I think this was worth 20 bucks. And... Uh, you know, my superstar cards are worth next to nothing, you know. And all I can do now is look at all these guys. I was a big fan of uh, Bo Jackson. So uh, Bo Jackson, Bo knows everything. So, you know, I have all my Bo Jackson cards. I have them all sorted by my big, by big, big name players. And got some cool cards in here that they were worth some money back in the day. They're not worth any money anymore. It's kind of sad <laughs> because the illustration is that this stuff just doesn't go on. It doesn't hold its value. We, can't, we, put our, we invest our, our money in, in resources that are of the earth and that over time you know, may not generate much for us. As an adult, I remember I loved buying tools and toys. I moved from these things and I went to tools and toys. And uh, one day uh, in the morning... I showed up to our condominium and I went out to my car and I noticed that our garage had got broken into. The garage door was bent back and all messed up and I, I'm like, oh no, oh no. First thing I'm like, my stuff, my stuff. You know, I pop open the garage, I get in there, you know, they stole my tools, stole my surfboards. Erica had just bought me a new surfboard from Hawaii. We flew the thing back from Hawaii. I hadn't even ridden it. And someone stole this brand new surfboard. I was ticked. I was, <laughs> I can't even say how I was feeling. But thieves really do break in and steal. And the scripture says, you know, we store up our treasures in earth. Moth, dest- moth, rust destroys. Rust, that term or rust, actually means an eating away. It might mean, you know, things just disintegrate. But it also might mean that animals come in and they eat away at our resources. Have you ever had that happen? Animal comes in, destroys your pantry. You had all this tons of stuff ready for the future. And, you know, in the, in the scripture, I think the picture might have been grain. Barns of, of grain that were being stored for the future. And, you know, it just gets eaten away. So Jesus is trying to help us understand, man, thieves, rust, all these things. This stuff just ends up falling apart. 
verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, here's the antidote. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. That stuff is untouchable. No one can break in to heaven and steal the treasures that we've invested in there. Where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God wants us to learn to invest our lives, not spend our lives. Say that again. God wants us to learn to invest ourselves, our lives, not just spend our lives. And the way you do that is you wrap your heart and you wrap your life around eternal things, not things of this world. Eternal things, like people, are eternal. We are eternal. We're going to live forever. God's Word is eternal. It will last forever. So we wrap our hearts and our minds around, and our lives around what is eternal. And that stuff does not get eaten away at. Most of our fears are not related to going without our basic necessities, but most of our fears are wrapped up in going without the comforts and the conveniences that we would really like, or facing embarrassment or humiliation, having to face our friends and and peers if we don't have what they have or if we don't have what we thought we would have by now. The key is humble yourself before the Lord and ask Him to help you trust Him when it comes to living for things that really matter. Such Such a challenge for us. Appreciate some of the examples that I've had. My pastor, great example, Pastor Randy in Diamond Bar. He's the one that sent us here to plant our church. We were there for eight years. If you go into his house, he's got a nice house, real spacious and open. But there's a story behind the house and how, it, how God provided the house. But I want, to tell you, I want to tell you, when you walk into the house, for the first ten years that I knew him, I'd look around at these barren walls and these empty rooms with very little furniture, and it was nice. They kept it neat and clean. They'd have meetings there and stuff, and it was it was it it, it was warm, but it wasn't all full. I know I always noticed. Man, I wonder why they don't. Is this because they just like to have it room for wrestling? No, they're not into wrestling. So I don't. What's the what's the connection here? You know, just recently, he did all this remodeling in his house. He received an inheritance from his father, and he invested some money on some earthly things. But it's interesting the way that he delayed doing that for so many years. That set a real, real interesting example that, you know, he was investing in those early years of his ministry at, at Church in the Valley. He was investing his time, his resources in people. And that, you know, that is storing up things where they will last. We're to have a single treasure. That's what that verse talks about. A single treasure. We can't have two treasures. We have to have one treasure. Store up your treasures in heaven. Focus on the eternal. The second thing. Focus on the eternal. Matthew 6, 22 through 33. 23 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body is good. Or your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So we need to set our sights on the kingdom of God, which cannot be seen without God's help. We can't see what's important to Him without His help. Most people think it's stupid to live for what we can't see. So it's not a matter of intelligence, but it's a matter of having spiritual vision. We need God's help to be able to see what really matters, to keep our eyes focused on things that have eternal value. God needs to give us almost like corrective lenses so that we can look at the right things when our hearts get wrapped around things that are, that are temporal on the earth. First, or Second Peter 3 says this, But the day of the Lord... The day of the Lord's return will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise. 
and the elements will be dissolved with fire. And the earth, this is what's happening to this planet that we live on and all the stuff that's here. And the works that are upon it will be burned up. Since all these things are to be dissolved, what sort of persons ought, to, ought you to be with lives of holiness and godliness? This stuff is not going to last. We're to have single vision. The last thing is, choose your master. Choose the right master. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't do this. You cannot serve both God and money. Many people try to split their times between masters, and they hope that God is okay with that. Please, God, be okay with the fact that I'm serving you and I'm serving money. This this makes sense. There are this... You know, you can work for two employers, but you can't work for two masters in life. You can't serve God and money. It's like trying to walk two different directions at the same time. Try to pull that one off. You can't do it. Your life needs to be heading in a certain direction. So God wants us to have a single master. John Calvin, one of the great church leaders, said this. He said, where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority. That is a challenging statement. When we wrap our hearts around these things, God's leadership in our life begins to diminish. It just We begin to walk in a new direction. Finally, keep your priorities straight. You'll see the last verse. You've probably heard this verse, Matthew 6.33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God will not fund our goals that diverge from His goals. He won't do it. But when we set our heart on His kingdom, He has promised to meet all of our needs. One thing God wants to do through financial fears is He wants us to live for the right things. When we're afraid, He wants us to reevaluate our priorities and restructure our priorities to build His kingdom, not just our own kingdom. So let, let's go to the Lord in prayer as the band comes forward. Father, thank You so much for this uh, day. God, thank You for Your Word and for the Scripture that You um, have outlined. Thank You, Lord, that... <clears throat> That there's so much more to life than just our stuff. Thank you, Lord, that um, we don't have to give in to the fear of, of losing it all and, and not being provided for because we are so much more valuable than that. Lord, you will provide. Our Heavenly Father will provide and take care of us, Lord. And so thank you for your provision. And thank you for your faithfulness in our lives. I'm sure so many here, God, can attest to your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for um, just... Moments when you refocus us, when you help us to look at all of our stuff and recognize um, the changes sometimes that we need to make. Lord, thank you for this personally, Lord, in my own life. Just the way that um, you challenge me constantly to trust you in this area. Lord, I pray you'd help us to respond to you through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You'll see there's some next steps. If you would, take out this quickly take out this card. And on the back, you'll see the next steps that are in your outline. You might consider taking one of these as a way to, to grow. Matthew 6.33 is that verse that we looked at, seeking first His kingdom. You might memorize that, put that somewhere in your house where you'll just remind yourself to live for His kingdom. Another thing is consider simplifying. Simplify my life through giving something of value to someone who needs it more. Next week, actually next week and all of next month, we're going to be talking about an offering, an opportunity we have to give hope to people locally, regionally, and internationally. I'm really excited about sharing the details of some of the things we're going to be involved in supporting. I think you're going to be really fired up about it. But you might consider 
giving to that, and you might also consider simplifying in order to give more to that. And if you look around your house, I know I've been doing that, and I'm like, man, wait, I just, this thing's... What, are, what am I doing with this thing? <laughs> I've never done anything with that. You know, I can get rid of that. I can. So you might consider that. Maybe review your spending to, to focus on the application of some of this passages. Review your spending to see if I'm investing in things that really last. So take a look at your bank statements. Take a look at your online statements. See where our resources are going. And then last, you might consider trusting God with your giving, increasing your giving. Cody is going to lead us in a few more songs and, and we're going to be done. So let's continue. In-